Welcome to episode 109 of Blue Jays Happy Hour. We are coming to you with a trade deadline special. Uh, I'm Nick Ashmore, joined <laughs> as always by Andrew Stoughton. I didn't forget my name there. I was going to say that when we planned to do this trade deadline special, we might have envisioned a world in which the Toronto Blue Jays had taken more steps to improve their team than they did. It was a bit of a quiet deadline, but we also haven't spoken since the Hicks deal, so we're going to kind of run through what uh, what the Blue Jays have done, what they have not done, and where the, that leaves them now. So, Stoughton, what's your quick overall impression on the Blue Jays and trade season? Uh, you know, I, I I don't think it's as underwhelming as a lot of people think, but they did not do enough. Uh, people are going to be understandably upset, and I feel that, you know, yeah, not a lot of other teams really made a lot of big improvements, especially the ones around them. They're all kind of in the mushy middle, and nobody seemed to, you know, to think that the the prices that I guess were being asked were worth it. I mean, Ross Atkins talked about uh, not as many uh, of the you know the kind of right-handed bats, for example, that they were that they were openly talking about, probably you know wanting to add uh, just a couple weeks ago that they weren't as available or as readily available, which kind of to me means you know they were asking too much and we didn't want to pay it, and and since no one else was going there, we didn't feel the need to do it or something like that, uh, which to me isn't good enough. Um, you know, you only get so many kicks at the can, and and I think that, you know, as much as they feel, and maybe the Bobuchet injury has changed things, but as much as much as they feel that they can get internal improvements and and maybe get a guy popping from AAA or something like that, uh, you know, a Teoscar Hernandez would have looked nice. You know, Tommy Pham would have looked nice. Um, other another team went and got Tommy Pham. I don't I don't even fucking remember who the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know. Uh, would have helped. They had the Jordan Luplo spot on the roster to fill. Uh, Paul DeYoung, whatever. Uh, and you know they still have a roster that that doesn't look like it has quite enough offense. And this was the opportunity to do it. Yeah, I mean the the idea that there weren't a lot of guys out there is fair, but at the same time, you can make guys available by making good offers for them. Uh-huh, and exactly. Um, you know, like Tommy Pham's a good example because he was sort of the platonic ideal of what they needed. And again, it, it is hard because we don't have all the counterfactuals. We don't know. Like maybe the Mets are truly disgusted by the Blue Jays farm system. Like sometimes you can offer someone a reasonable value and they go elsewhere based on their own internal preferences. But at the same time, it didn't seem like it took a ton to get Tommy Pham and Tommy Pham would have been literally what they needed. I will say that I never bought that Teoscar Hernandez was coming home. I un- <laughs> like, I understand the rationale. Oh, this guy, you know, a change of scenery back to what he likes, and he may well perform like he did, you know, very recently for the Blue Jays. He's absolutely smashed lefties for the majority of his career. You know, he can just take the job from Varsho outright if Varsho really doesn't show anything in the last couple of months. Like, all of that makes sense. But, you know... It- does Seattle really want to trade Teoscar Hernandez back to the Blue Jays for significantly less than they traded for him a few months later? Like it's just such a bad PR look, and you'd think there'd be enough interest in them if they're you know in a world where they're going to trade him. It's like we'll take the second best offer to avoid this headache. Like, it just seems like a way to announce to the world that you don't know what you're doing is to trade 
you know, a, a good prospect, you know, good might be overstating it, but a decent prospect and a good reliever of term for a guy and then trade him back to the same team for a lesser package, which is probably just going to be kind of throw in type of prospects. Like it, 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 it was cool to think about. I understand why people <laughs> glommed onto that idea. There was the occasional tweet about the Blue Jays looking in on him. Um, but I, I just could never get myself to the point where I believed that was going to happen. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it never really felt like it was it was imminent or anything like that. But it just that seemed like a thing that should have happened. It felt like the 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 bat was just such an obvious need, and we've been talking about it since December, uh, basically since Gurriel left. That there was you know maybe a little bit of a right-handed bat need there, especially they got Brandon Belt, and you know they, they focused on the left side and the Kevin Kiermaier, uh, and it just looked like okay, maybe they're a little bit deficient there, and it's sort of been borne out. And you know, I know that there are some guys in the minors that maybe will be able to hit their way on uh, and, and and be contributors but that's you know not what a team with championship aspirations should be should be doing unless they really really believe you know and it seems like you know i don't even know what side of the plate david snyder hits from at this point one, one of them barger snyder one of the one of them hits, one of the two uh, i'd say it's <laughs> from the right side um i can never keep it straight thank barger's the lefty no yeah and, and you know snyder's been real good and and, and i you know i think that there was you know, I think the fact that we haven't seen him yet, and I don't want to put too much on on him, and I think obviously that they probably also, you know, one, like I say, the Vobichet injury, you know, they're, they're, they're not, there are some some cloudy things about what's what's going on there and how they said, you know, uh, no uh, significant structural damage, you know, specifically as opposed to no structural damage, which, you know, leaves open some possibilities. And, and Ross Atkins said when he met with reporters, uh, after the deadline had passed, uh, you know, we're optimistic that he'll contribute to our team at some point again, uh, this meaning this year, uh, which is, you know, <laughs> doesn't make me all that, as, as, that optimistic, you know, that you even have to say that. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, just based on how other teams reacted to the deadline, I don't know that this is necessarily true that they like pivoted and, and, and sort of reined things in after, you know, the, the Bichette injury, just thinking that, okay, now we're this much farther away from, uh, from being a real contender. Uh, I think they are a real contender. I think they should have done better by themselves. But, you know, it, it is hard to get super upset about it when you do look around and you see that just nobody was paying those prices that were, you know, for whoever was available. And maybe those guys weren't even available. Maybe it wasn't even just a Jays thing that uh, Seattle didn't want to trade to Oscar. Maybe it was just they, you know, they gave up too much. They're still sort of in the hunt, even though they're, you know, uh, trading away their closer and, and, and sort of being sellers, but sort of are, are half in. And there's there was a lot of that sort of going on. Um, you know, you didn't see a lot of the names we talked about that uh, get moved. Yes, Fam did move, but you know, we didn't see the Tim Anderson. We didn't see. We saw some White Sox move, but not all. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about uh, Teoscar, obviously as well. Um, so you know, I I I don't want to put too much of lipstick on a pig, though. And I think that you know, people who are not inclined to dig down too much are just going to look at it and be like, "Well, pff, that's not fucking enough. That's terrible joke joke franchise." Ross Atkins, garbage garbage GM fire the whole lot of them you know I think there's going to be a lot of that yeah and I, I understand that sentiment because I think that for a long time this deadline was presented to the fan base as well at lim at minimum there'll be a right-handed bat you know what I mean like they said okay you know it's kind of difficult to actually upgrade on this rotation based on who's available uh the bullpen's actually really good even before the deadline and they did make moves there and again we're going to drill down a little bit on the particular moves but i think the assumption was 
you know what, some of this other stuff might be a little bit harder to do than it looks like on the surface, but you're going to be able to find one of these right-handed platoon bats because there's a lot of those type of guys kicking around. And like I said before, you know, it's it doesn't have to be the guy who everyone is talking about, who, you know, is in all the rumors and all the tweets and all the you know, we're hearing about X player, like they're, you know, Jake Berger was a good example today mm -hmm. um, yeah. of a guy who, you know, you might have, if you kind of really thought it out and plotted it out, you could see someone like him being available, but it's not like there were rumors swirling about him, you know, the whole time. Another guy who had kind of interested me a little bit on the down low was Rodolfo Castro as the infielder for the Pirates. And he got traded today as well. Because he has been a guy who has just run these huge platoon splits his whole career. And he's been pretty much useless against right-handed pitching. And he has a 142 WRC plus against left-handed pitching at the big league level. Now, this is a couple hundred plate appearances, et cetera, et cetera. Like, he's not, you know, he's a shot in the dark for somebody. But taking those kind of shots in the dark, I think, is preferable to most people than doing nothing. And whether it's more advisable or not is up for debate. But when it comes to how people are going to react to the team, when you perceive to have sat on your laurels and not done much, especially with a team that has not really met expectations in 2023, that's an ugly combo for a lot of people. Like a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, a lot of people who are Blue Jays fans are having a difficult time at this particular moment keeping the faith. And, and I can see why. Yeah, no, I I completely agree, and and you know you look at the ra the reaction of the players with the Hicks trade, right? And it's like that's okay, that's a uh, uh, you know clearly meant something to them in the room, and they were excited about it, and to just sort of pass on the opportunity to do more, uh, and to really you know I I mean I don't know how much I believe in in you know the the extent to which. Uh, that kind of self belief could be a thing, and man, you'll you'll sure hear people or see people tweet and, and, and talking about, you know, the uh, the RISP thing. And man, alive, I listened to enough of that talk this afternoon <laughs> for the deadline to break. Uh, and you know, uh, I, I, you know, there is, and Ross Atkins said this after the thing. There, you know, there, it, there is. It's not entirely luck, but a lot of that is luck. And uh, I mean, I'm now I'm paraphrasing, but he said it's not entirely luck, but that they believe in their guys, and and I think that that's you know there's something to that as well. But yeah, it's uh, for those who have watched it and lived it, and and maybe don't have that pulse that allows them to be big leaguers and allows them to have the even keel about every you know every little loss and every little frustration. Uh, yeah, it's wearing on people. I mean, you could just you could just see it. Uh, every day, every loss, every run scored against them. Like here we go again, and it's uh, and it's wild because they've been, you know, if not the best team in the American League for more than two months, like pretty, you know, right up there, like like literally one or two or something like that. For like we've been mentioning that stat for a long time, using probably different arbitrary endpoints, but you know, it's not a bad team. It really, really isn't. Um, and it's just yeah, keeping the faith with them has been difficult, and this will not help. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the quality of this team and entering Tuesday's action through 107 games of the MLB season, this team has the second best ERA in all of baseball, 376. And it has the seventh best WRC plus, 108. And we know that, that the runs have not followed from that in part because of the runners in scoring position issue, um, a little bit because of base running, which has been kind of nasty. But... 
that's a good team, you know, like yeah. a team that is one of the very best runs, run prevention teams in the entire major leagues, which is part of the promise of this team. It's part of what was sold about this group is like this team is going to be very strong defensively and they're going to uplift the pitching staff. And that's exactly what they've done in, in previous years. They have made things harder on the pitching staff and now they've turned over a new leaf there. They're very good at preventing runs. The bullpen has now been tweaked a little bit. You'll notice there's no Mitch Whites in there anymore. Uh, you've got Jordan Hicks. Like that's a big deal. We, you know, there's a lot, there's uncertainty at the bottom of this rotation, but in terms of, you know, what Gosman, Barrios, and Bassett are doing with some level of consistency, like that, that's a strong one, two, three. Maybe you'd love to kind of distrib- distribute that talent slightly differently. So Gosman isn't as much <laughs> of a hard one in sort of a playoff series, but there's a lot to like about this team. Now, the Bichette thing is really interesting because it seems like we, we've already been on a roller coaster with this. And to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked if by the time some people listen to this podcast, there's different thoughts about it too. Because initially, you know, seeing the injury itself, it, it looked, we've seen things that look like that end up pretty bad. But then, you know, today we hear, oh, it's not going to be missing tons of time. And then we hear, oh, he's, you know, he's day to day. He's not on the IL. There's no major structural damage. As you said, the language was precise in this case, which is often what they do. And then at the same time, you know, when Ross Atkins spoke to the media, he made it pretty clear that the Paul DeYoung deal was kind of in direct reaction to the Bichette injury, which is a little bit odd because if Bichette's going to miss three games, you don't need to go and make a trade to sort that situation out. And I I still find myself a little bit confused because the way, you know, Atkins talked about the DeYoung deal and talked about there being some potential damage in the tendon, even if it's not severe, that sounds to me like, why isn't he on the IL right now? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I suspect that's coming. I mean, DeYoung's going to gonna show up tomorrow on uh on wednesday uh and then they'll you know i mean i don't know if uh, Rene clement really needs to keep his roster spot for too long here but uh we'll we'll see we'll see where that all goes we'll see if maybe somebody does come up from uh from buffalo that atkins was definitely you know talking with excitement about some of the stories that have happened down there but you know that's because he doesn't have any other fucking choice at this point because that is what you know that is what he is left with and that is uh, it is interesting but you know yeah i uh uh, I'm still not sure what to think about about the bow thing and and yeah the lack of a, of an IL stint immediately uh, does definitely seem interesting when like you said when you have when you when you made a trade specifically to uh, to address this guy not being here and it's like well so yeah how what, if if he's gonna if you need to trade for that guy well, yeah why isn't he on the aisle already um so that is that is that is interesting and it does sort of terrify me still a bit well i, I would say more so than it did uh when we first heard you know not does they don't think he's going to be out too long um i think he also mentioned that bo has has dealt with those with that knee in the past uh which maybe gives them a little bit better idea of you know how long it's going to take but um yeah, they're definitely not a better team with him on the bench uh or on the IL for however long that's going to last. Uh it's going to be a bit difficult. Yeah, and 
you know, they are in a position where they have a little bit of cushion on their playoff spot. They are arguably in the best playoff spot. You kind of want it. Well, not the best one, but the best wild card spot, because arguably you want to go play the AL Central as opposed to being in that wild card game. But it's, yeah, it's a diffi- difficult situation. So let's go through the 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 transactions one at a time. We we covered Cabrera on the last podcast. I will say that, but he continues to look really strong with the team. So you have to feel slightly better about that move as it goes. But it's yeah. still it's still early days with that. De Young is uh, I mean, he's interesting because he's a guy who's the thing he does best is play shortstop. Like he's a great defensive shortstop. He's hit lefties this year. But that's not something he's consistently done throughout his career such that you can say, oh, he's part of the left-handed pitcher matchup solution. I don't think that that's necessarily fair to say, although, hell, he might be. You know, he might be a better option than some of the guys they have sometimes. <laughs> um, with DeYoung, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's fair for either of us to pretend that we know a lot about Matt Swanson uh, no, going the other yeah. way. I don't think, uh, <laughs> again, I think we like to be kind of transparent about where the limits of our expertise lie. And in this case, he's a guy who has good numbers in high A and they're moving him to double A, but he's a relief prospect. And unless a relief prospect is truly, truly special, and to be honest, like in triple A, it's pretty hard to get too worked up about who you're losing in that spot. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, to go back to DeYoung, like, uh, yeah, 13 home runs. That's as many as Springer and one more than Varsho. So that's, uh, you know, he's just as likely to hit one as those guys, though hopefully he won't be getting as many at bats as they will. Um, but there, that does mean that he could perhaps, you know, and he has had power seasons in the past. I mean, and we're, we're well removed from those now. Uh, but he's had some really good years, but you're right that the, the, defense at shortstop i think is a thing and i think it's more you know obviously the the uh you know santiago espinal i think everybody kind of looked at looked at espinal looked at some of the the depth in the minors and thought rightly that perhaps there was another shoe to drop because you know it it does seem like there's a lot and uh, you know you can't it can't hurt to have it and it didn't cost them a lot but it is it is a bit weird and it does but it does feels also like you know, Espinal has not had the season that that he did last year, and has not looked. He's looked slower this year. He hasn't looked. You know, he hasn't hit for the same kind of power when he's been on the field, and he's been kept off the field by Whit Merrifield, which you know, rightly so. But he's you know just not, uh, not been going the way that they need him to go. And with two months left, you know, De Young does look like a better option uh, to be a backup shortstop. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that's all that he needs to be. Uh, and that we're not seeing him, you know, out there every day for a month or six weeks or something stupid like that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, uh, there is a range of outcomes with the young because he has a little bit of that power, but he's also at times, you know, like in 2022, like truly one of the worst hitters in baseball. In fact, over the last four years, if you kind of average it up, he's been one of the worst hitters in baseball. And so he never know a change of scenery, guys. He he, ninety percent, maybe even more, is a rental. But he has some of the. He's got club options on his contract, so in theory, you could pick him up for next year if you thought he was so impressive that he looks like someone you want on your infield for twenty twenty four. Twelve point five million. Again, you'd have to be convinced that he's a starter, and he'd probably be playing second base, and the offensive threshold for that is higher. So, like, I don't know. I'm constructing an (laughs) elaborate scenario where that could conceivably happen, but realistically it probably won't i mean in another fantasy scenario 
you say De Young is a truly elite defensive shortstop, which is what the numbers kind of bear out over the last three seasons in particular. So you put him at shortstop and then you finally do the move of Bo to second that everyone wants. Again, that's just not going to happen. But no. you could make an on you could make an on field case for that. It's like, okay, you fill an infield spot and you pay De Young a relatively modest amount to be starting shortstop, which from a kind of total value standpoint, he could easily you know, he could easily be worthy of a starting spot, yada, 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 yada. Uh, again, there's more complications here than there need to be, but the reality is that the chances of any of that coming to pass is awfully slight, to say the least. Yes, 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 yes. Um, which is fine, which, you know, I mean, we don't know, I don't think yet, what uh, the amount of cash coming back the other way from St. Louis to sort of offset. Um, but obviously this was, you know, just, uh, you know, they weren't going to do it. And, and the teams found a, a price point that made sense for, uh, for him to be moved on basically as a rental because yeah, that stuff's not going to happen. Um, you know, they, in a way, you know, I saw somebody who was like, well, they doubled down on pitching and defense, which have been their strong suits. And that's, you know, that's probably what they should have done. Um, which to a point I kind of agree with, except you, you know, there's a, you're allowed to get more than two players at the deadline, and they could have done more, and that's I think where everybody else is probably going to land. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? Like we're looking at these transactions. I was actually asked to write trade grades today, which is always you know it's uh, it, can, it's, it can be an oversimplification, but like I didn't give any of the Blue Jays moves less than a B. Like I think all the moves are fine. It's like every move is a B, but the whole package is like a C plus maybe. Yeah, uh, it's just it's the move not made that I think yeah. is is the problem. Yeah, but it, but let's let's talk a little bit about Jordan Hicks because that and that's interesting because that to me at the time seemed to indicate that maybe there this was going to be a little bit of a different deadline than we expected because I think the initial idea was okay, well this team is on this wild card trajectory. It's be hard for them to do much better than that. They're sort of going to maybe keep up with the Joneses, plug some holes, but it's not going to be a huge deadline. And then they go out and they get, you know, arguably the top, at least the top power arm on the market in terms of just raw velocity and a guy who's, you know, a brand name type closer. And he, you know, they don't do that. They don't generally go out and get brand name relievers. Just, you know, they've generally gone for guys with term guys who they felt were undervalued for one reason or another so they get that type of player and they also get a rental who is one of the top you know most prominent rentals on the market which is something they've also shied away from so to me and it's interesting we'll never know to what extent the Bichette injury changed their thinking over the couple days and I don't envy them having to deal with that but at the time of the Hicks move, it seemed like they were, they were kind of having a statement of intent where mm-hmm. the idea is, oh, this team is worth investing in. The 2023 Blue Jays in particular, not the nebulous idea of this window, but this exact team is worth trading real prospects. And those, the guys they traded are real prospects, not their top, top guys, but guys of significance for an upgrade on a unit that was already really good. Like their bullpen was really good. I know the Romano injury again play a role to some extent but i think most people expect him to be fine over the next couple weeks and it's a strong unit and yet they went out and got hicks and so that was i think you know maybe part of why people are disappointed today that set a tone that they ultimately weren't able to follow up with on tuesday 
Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely correct. No, and and it wasn't necessarily even just that. I mean, you know, you always sort of talk big about it, but I, you know, I was looking before we came on about uh, some of the quotes that, that Atkinson said, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and talking about, you know, the the kind of starting pitching they were targeting and all, and and the you know where they were looking to go in the in the, in the uh, you know the offensive market, and you know, it were they were clear lofty goals, and so you know, the, by their own standards, it seems like that's. Uh, uh, that's that this this does feel underwhelming and you know obviously he's going to say the right things like you know this is uh and he i believe he said that he felt like oh yeah yeah oh we we got all our goals accomplished and, and maybe that's because the bichette thing changed it i don't know i i i hope not because you know i you know, that makes you that makes you think that it's worse than a than they're saying it is right now um but yeah it it, it definitely set the tone and it definitely uh, you know, yeah, made me think that they were going to really, you know, do the thing that they should do, which is invest in this team and and you know take this chance that they have in front of them and and really believe in what the the group was here and add to it in a meaningful way. And they did. They just didn't quite get there and get it over the line. Yeah, they did until they didn't. And yeah, <laughs> like yeah, as of Sunday, they were doing a great job. And yeah, and I I, I like the Hicks trade overall. Like. As I said, I think Sam Roberts is a real prospect. I think Kloppenstein's a real prospect. Um, he'd been doing really well. Again, you know, following up on double A for the second time. But both of those guys, you could talk yourself into them being those type of back-end starters, rotation depth guys. That the, the Blue Jays have been so bad at developing and hoarding and that they, they need, to be honest. Like prior yeah. to the deadline, they talked about the idea of, oh, we're interested in starters that you can option because we don't necessarily need a starter this second, but we could sure use some insurance and we don't have any depth of the minor leagues. And to be honest, they're extremely lucky that, you know, they had the Manoa thing happen to them, but their top guys have been healthy all year. If this were a different year from a health perspective for the Blue Jays, it could have been a total disaster because they haven't had that starting depth at all. And I'm not saying that moving Roberts and Kloppenstein is the right is the wrong move because I, I agree with the move and especially only have a couple months out for Murphy's Law to take effect and all these guys to get injured. It's kind of a problem for them to solve next year in terms of finding rotation depth. But it it was interesting to see them move that type of player because that is an area of organizational need and an area where they have notably struggled to find guys and you know and through the entire Atkin Shapiro era and there you know it's hard to kind of point fingers exactly on who that is because there's a lot of moving parts from scouting to development to just the decisions made in terms of transactions, but. It's been a notable hole for a while, and it is funny that they may have dug that hole deeper in a move that, again, I ultimately approve of. Yeah, absolutely. But it, but it doesn't look as good when you don't, you know, go that extra mile. And again, you know, Atkins will say that they're, you know, they just weren't as readily available the kind of bats that they needed. But it's it's it is odd to me, and I know they they don't want to, uh, you know, uh, downgrade their defense too much by bringing in, you know, a Teoscar, for example, uh, to use the example everybody got hung up on, uh, to, uh, you know, that would do that and would sort of undo some of the gains that they've made there. Maybe they maybe they have calculations that they think that that's you know the uh, part of why why the you know, we get a little too uh, focused on the offense and maybe it didn't make as much sense as as it does when you look at you know this is a bad offense or this is a, no, it's not a bad offense but it's an offense that's not scoring enough and and you know you really needed to to augment that um and yeah i mean it does it comes down to now you've now you've told 
you know, it, it, the the guys who are here really have to do it, really have to get it done, and they're capable of that. And I could spoke about this to the media as well, and uh, you know, kind of putting it on Vlad and, and and on Springer especially because you know, without both, that's those are the guys. Uh, that it's like kind of time for them to step up, and he of course didn't say that in so many words. But I think that's I think that's true and that's fair. But it would have been easier for them to do so again with. You know, a little bit of extra help. I'm still very surprised that they didn't do that. And uh, I, I share, even though I think that everybody who is madder than me is too mad. Uh, <laughs> you're the exact right <laughs> amount of mad. That's right. You're yeah, the bar I'm, by which everyone else correct. should be judged. Okay, That's absolutely correct. So, you know, to be, so keeping that in mind, yeah, you know, uh, be a little mad. Be an appropriate amount of mad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the thing about this year, I mean, you know, we're on here, we're talking every single week all year long, and the tenor on this team continues to be relatively negative, and this contributes to that, what happened the trade deadline, and it just, it could still all go so right. Like, it, it, very it, much could, good, yes. it could absolutely, you know, they could finally take that next step, they could win a playoff series, they could win two playoff series, like, anything can really happen with this team and it's not just like it's not pie in the sky bullshit like i'm not saying that they're favored to do those things or that like that's the most likely scenario from here on out is that the blue jays make a magical run but there is this world that exists and it i think the probability of this happening has held fairly steady throughout the year to be honest and maybe if bo is truly kind of you know gone then the calculus on this moves a little bit but there's just been this sliver of hope that it all just comes together and clicks into place. And it's a very, it's not the stupidest hope I've ever heard. Like it can very much happen. And I think that we often talk about how baseball works compared to how other sports work and how sometimes our minds are, they're just wired for things that aren't baseball. And in other sports, a lot of the time, like you just wouldn't see this. Like a team wouldn't reach all the way through the season, the vast majority of it, vast majority done, whatever, two-thirds done, and look this unlikely to do something at the highest level and then not really add at a trade deadline and then go on a magical run. Like, it it just wouldn't happen in basketball. <laughs> yeah. Like, the chance no. of it happening in hockey or in the NFL are incredibly low, but it can happen in baseball in a different way. Like, Matt Chapman, just as a random example, like, he was the best hitter in baseball in April, essentially. If he just did that again, you know, suddenly the offense that ranks seventh in WRC plus and 14th in run scoring, you know, next thing you know, over the next two months, it's third in WRC plus and then it's third in run scoring and the bullpen is still rolling and the Blue Jays are suddenly this unstoppable force. Again, none of this is the most likely thing to happen, but it's all on the table. And that's part of what makes some of this Anger, like the intense level of anger, the above Stoughton level of anger, um, <laughs> yeah. feel kind of impotent to me is that it's not over. Like, it, there's no, like, it may feel like nothing is going to happen to this team. And sure, like, whenever you start a season and you're cheering for a team and they're, you're hoping they're going to win a title, even if they're the favorites, chances are it's not going to go the way you want it to go. But people seem to have given up on this whole endeavor in a way that just doesn't gel with how we understand the game of baseball, to be honest. 
Yeah. Oh, I I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, you know, and, and like, I mean, I, we don't need to get into my petty gripes with with uh, you know straw man fans, kind of, I guess. But like, yeah, it, and it bothers me because people don't want to be told that it's that, that it's better. It could be better. They don't want to be told that hey, you know, it was it was another three or four weeks last year before Bobachet really like turned his season around and ended up having completely normal numbers. Like he, he was, you know, at this time last year, he was like a one Oh five WRC plus or in that range, like, and then had a very good year by the time it was all said and done. Like if Vlad did a thing like that, which he could, which he's capable of, it, 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 it exactly what you're talking about with Chapman there would could could happen and it would you know be not remotely out of the realm of possibility. I mean, not likely necessarily, but yeah, and it's just people or people don't want to hear it. They're like, no, I've seen what this team is, and that is an immutable fact. They they just uh, this is enough baseball to know exactly what they are, and that's not accurate. And the, the, even and even if it were to to you know to be so certain of it, and then just follow along in misery anyway. Uh, is very bizarre to me, and uh, you know, I don't know. They're 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 a pretty good team. Uh, it hasn't been fun, but they are still a very talented team that well doesn't need a lot to really look a lot better. The thing that's stupid about baseball is like <laughs> there's 162 games, and it's still not really enough. Totally, like yeah. like they might need to play 300 whatever 324 games to really figure this thing out. In terms of who's good and who's not good and all that jazz. And so you kind of just need to stay in the hunt. And, and you know, the Blue Jays are not immune to missing the playoffs, to be clear. Like they're, True. 100%. They, they are still fighting for their playoff berth. And they have a little bit of a cushion, but not a ton of a cushion. And they need to play well from here on out. It is not a done deal that they're just going to arrive on the doorstep of the playoffs and kind of hope for that magical run. But, you know... You can look at the odds. I haven't looked at the odds today, but they tend to be, you know, at fan graphs as kind of the most basic source for those projections, you know, in the sort of 70% range. Like it is, yeah, it is wild to me that people are willing to say, okay, this team that has a very, very good chance of making the playoffs is a dud, is a loser, is not going away. And I, like, I'm I'm not out here trying to evangelize and say like this. I'm almost I'm more talk about the structure of baseball even than this team in particular because it just seems silly. The point of following a team is to extract some kind of enjoyment. And I know that a lot of people in Toronto sports have been unable to do that for a variety of reasons and a variety of sports and sometimes heartbreak is part of it. But going into it with the assumption of heartbreak, it's like you're having sure there's a 95% chance you're going to get kicked in the balls by uh, sports (laughs) but like why are you kicking yourself in the balls first like let it happen you know like maybe there's a five percent chance that it doesn't i like i don't know it it just seems like an odd attitude to take that's poetic that's that that is well said that is absolutely well said i mean i i don't know about well said it might be said on brand with this podcast (laughs) but that's if that's the best we can do that's fine um I think I'm relatively happy to let it lie there. It is a bit of a a bit of a dud of a deadline. There's reason for people to be discouraged, but I guess we're ending on a note of hope uh, for folks. Hopefully, it's yeah more hope, less scolding. But I don't know if I don't know if we 100 landed that, but that's fine. Uh, yeah, well, you know, whatever happens with the rest of this Ryu game that's going on, we'll uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> determine anything anyway. Really, we'll we'll have moved on by then. 
Absolutely. So we will be with you next week, probably at our normal time of Thursday. We just wanted to get one out after the trade deadline. So we hope to uh, have you guys tune in then. And anything you want to do in terms of leaving reviews and ratings and stuff, always appreciated. And we will talk to you in a world where we know what the outcome of this reuse start is. 